I'm Natalie. And I'm Abby. And And you're you're listening listening to our Moms on Faith Steps podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Faith Steps podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Rose. And I am Anna Cheetah. So this is episode two, and we're going to start talking about the steps that we need to go through in order to get to healing. So in episode one, we talked about the metaphor of the broken bus. And basically, that means that there's something inside of us. For some of us, we have multiple things that we're dealing with. Some of us may be just one or two. But there's some part inside of us that is broken, whether it be from traumatic experience, toxic relationship, a single event that has happened in your life. But as a result of that, that we're dealing with some residual pain, that scar, that mark that is left on you is is changing the way that you live your life. And it's preventing you from making good, solid choices. It might have actually turned into a stronghold over your life and the way that you respond to people, the way that you make decisions, the relationships that you have. And so we, we asked in our first episode, we asked you to, to really go to the Holy Spirit and ask in an authentic and sincere humility. We asked you to, to ask God to reveal that broken part of you. And that when he does, because he is faithful, that then you can begin to deal with that. So Anna, I know that we have both talked about some of our brokenness. Do you feel like when you went to the Holy Spirit, do you feel like he was faithful in that instance? 100%. I think scripture will tell us that, you know, if we we are seeking and we are asking, God's going to answer us. We're going to know what it is that needs that needs to be addressed and I believe I mentioned this last time I think a lot of times we already know and God Mm. kind of has a way of confirming that to say hey yeah you knew that was a problem but now we're really gonna make this very obvious that this is what you need to fix so it's one of those things I don't believe that God would ever just deny you (laughs) deny you that kind of insight especially if you're seeking to do better and to become whole and healthy God doesn't want anybody to sit and suffer or to just accommodate pain or any kind of just hurt. That's not who he is. That's not the kind of father that he is. Yeah, that's a great point. And as you were talking, it brought to mind the scripture that that we have not because we ask not. And that's a a scripture that we frequently use here at school. And I think it's so important because we don't don't ask God because we're afraid of what he's going to say, for one thing. And then we're also in the back of our minds, even strong believers, we're a little bit afraid that he's going to let us down, that he's Mm -hmm. not going to follow through. And so I I don't think anyone who really, truly goes to God and says, hey, I I need, I need to know, I don't, I don't want to live this way anymore. And a lot of people I'm finding only do this when there's a behavior, like, hey, there's a behavior that, that I keep repeating. There's some relationship types that I keep getting caught up in. There's some friendships that I keep repeating. Even though they're different people, the behaviors are the same. So they find themselves, hey, I have a problem with spending. Or maybe I have a problem with overeating. Or maybe I have a problem with being unfaithful. And, And they get to that point where they say, okay, I don't want to do this behavior anymore. And so then they begin to start looking for the root cause. So 
in my prayer time, I really thought, okay, God, you've given me this, this message and I've shared it with, with our small group. And, and I felt like we had a really great discussion and we really encouraged these women that were walking alongside to, to pray and ask God to reveal that brokenness. Well, now what? Because we can't just, just say, okay, I'm broken. All right, let's go on to the next topic. That's just not very helpful. So once we know those areas that we need to work on, area, I should say, because God, he gives us one thing at a time to work on, but we need to, to go into those next steps. So God gave me three words when, when I was praying about this and he gave me these three words and I thought, wow, okay, God, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. You're going to have to illuminate that a little bit for me, but we're going to go through these three words and, and give you some scripture to, to back this up. And hopefully this will be helpful as we kind of work through these steps together. So the first word that God gave me, I really knew it was the Holy Spirit because this is not a word that I use ever. I don't know that I've ever said it outside of reading scripture out loud, but the first word that he gave me was behold. So Anna, you, you said that something comes to your mind when you heard the word behold. I always think of a couple things, but initially I think of the scripture says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I'm like, okay, but I don't actually know necessarily what behold means. But I remember a pastor one time said, when you see the word behold, you should stop because that is your marker to say, listen, this is going to be important. Whatever follows behind this, you really need to see. And Stacy actually just looked up some interesting facts about the word behold and how many times it's used. You said it was uh, 1,298 times in the King James Version. And I don't often read King James. Me either. <laughs> uh, occasionally I'll go, because sometimes there's some scriptures that you know that you've heard as a child or that just hit different a little bit in the, in the King James. And so sometimes I will go to King James for that. But as a general rule, that's not my preferred translation. But in the King James Version of the Bible, it's used 1,298 times. And it is derived from the Greek word, Edo. And I had to look that up to make sure I was saying that right. <laughs> because we keep it real. So the Greek word, Edo, and that literal translation is, be sure to see. Be sure to see is what that means. And so as I was praying, I was thinking, God... Why on earth would you give me this word that I don't really understand and then tell me that I'm supposed to share it with, with these women that I'm walking through this with? Like anytime the Holy Spirit gives you a message or speaks to you and you don't understand it, I, I said, okay, I'm going to need you to explain this <laughs> right. to me. And, and a lot of times he will speak to me verbally, like I'll, not that I'll hear the words and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but that... That I will have words. Mm -hmm. But this time it really wasn't so much of a word as more of a picture, but not a clear picture like a vision. I'm making this as clear as mud, right? But he gave <laughs> me this idea of stepping back and looking at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Because let's say that you, you've prayed, the Holy Spirit, please, please reveal the, the brokenness inside of me. And he responds with, Maybe there's you know, trust issues. A lot of people suffer from that because, let's face it, we live in a fallen world and, and relationships are hard and people sometimes are betrayed. They have their trust broken. I know it's certainly happened to me multiple occasions. 
and you feel this this level of betrayal and sometimes it's so important it's such a pivotal relationship that then it becomes part of who we are and so god was saying to me you need to take a step back and look at the whole picture like think about the whole thing not just this one instance or this one relationship but to kind of look at how god has been faithful through a whole series of events or through a whole season of your life and and maybe take out that one instance and kind of look at it from from a different perspective. Well, that's 100% true. I tell our kids all the time, did you have a bad day or a bad moment? What was it? Was it really that terrible or did you just have have a bad couple minutes? And so I think we oftentimes will define our entire lives or our entire personalities or whatever by one or two things that yes while they were pivotal or while they they mattered they weren't entirely who we are Mm -hmm. that's an interesting perspective what you said about the is it just a bad couple of minutes my husband and I will often say when we're feeling really low could be some struggles or challenges that we're facing at work or something that one of our children is kind of struggling with and and we say it was it was just a bad day. It's not a bad life. Right. Because we do have a tendency to blow things out of proportion because we don't have perspective. And it's hard to have perspective. Mm-hmm. We want to remember that, you know, to show grace to ourselves and, and to the people in our lives because it's hard to have perspective when you are in a lot of pain. Some of the things that, that people go through, they're awful. And you wouldn't want anyone to go through that. So we don't want to minimize that experience. We don't want to minimize that pain. But at the same time, I think in order to move past it in a healthy way, we do have to take a step back and say, yes, this thing happened to me or this relationship took place. But it doesn't have to define who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I was an abused spouse, but that doesn't mean that I am the victim of abuse and that's who I am. And I take that and wear that as my badge. Mm -hmm. And often it becomes part of this, this whole. Your identity. Yeah. This whole thing that you wear. Um, I had a friend was talking to me and I was unloading a little bit. We'd had a really, really awful day. Some really heavy stuff that we had gone through. I was just kind of sharing with her how I felt and, and how we were struggling, my husband and I kind of struggling together through this. And she said, you know, when, when the Lord speaks to me, he, he speaks in visions. She said, and when I was hearing you kind of talk, she goes, I just had this vision of this mantle, like this covering that you and your husband are, are, are carrying. And she says, and it's so heavy. And you feel so oppressed almost pushed down by the the absolute weight of it and I was like yes <laughs> like that That's is me that is 100% right. how I feel and she said and I just saw as you were speaking I just saw God reach down and with his pinky with barely any effort just just lift that off of you and I thought man that would be amazing I would really really like that to happen but in order for that to happen I think there's there's a process that we have to go through and part of that process is going, hey, let's take a step back. Let's look at this this thing that has happened and figure out, okay, this doesn't mean that God isn't faithful. 
This doesn't mean that I'm not worthy of love or respect, but rather, okay, this is something that happened, and now I'm going to figure out how, how to deal with it. Well, and psychologically, that's, that's human nature. When we feel like we are being backed into a corner, it's survival mode. We mm-hmm. automatically will jump into what do I have to do to get through this and to survive. And I think especially when you're married, sometimes it's hard to look at your spouse even in those moments because you're both just trying to survive. And it becomes almost that rat race of we're just going to go, 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 go. We might come back together at some point or we might do this. But when you can you can stop and take that step back, like we're saying, this behold, just be sure to look. Be sure to look at this full picture and go, okay, we are using 10 times the amount of energy that we really need to be in this instance. If we would just stop for a minute, come back, let's, let's work together, let's take a look at the situation from a much broader view and then go back in and figure out a plan. Because I think a lot of times, again, we're talking about this, this thought process. Let's say your house burns down and you and your whole family survive. Well, you still lost your house. Still, like Stacey said, we don't want to minimize mm-hmm. the loss there, but you go, but we survived. I, you know, there's, there's all of these things and you sit here going and you can focus on the fact that you lost your house or you can focus on the fact that your family lived. And it, how do you take a step back and go, we, we truly are blessed. Yes, we lost something, but we're still blessed and God's going to be faithful in all of this because pain is pain regardless of what caused it and stress is stress. I think everybody experiences some form of stress in their lives and if you don't, please tell me your secret. Mm -hmm. But how do we really consciously make that effort to say, okay, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to try to count, count the blessings in this even if it looks really, really dark and dim. Because like we said last week, God is, God is a good God and even in the mess there's, some kind of beauty in the ashes I always think about to go, okay, what is it that you're trying to either teach me in this moment? What is it that I need to learn and grow from? Where is it that we're going after this? Because I know this isn't the end of the story. And that's really hard to see when you're standing in the middle of a pile of rubble Mm -hmm. to go, how is this not the end? How do we survive this? How do we come back kind of thing? We also don't want to forget that in your example of the house burning down, Yes, we want to celebrate and not forget the blessings that happen, but we also want to give ourselves opportunities to mourn. Anna and I heard a really good message on mourning, and it comes from the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I had never, ever heard a sermon on mourning. That was we joked afterward, like, you got to prepare somebody for that because we, it was were, intense. <laughs> we were not prepared. Like, I wore mascara that day. That was a mistake. I should have just, like, put on a ball cap and, like, wore really big sunglasses because it was really important for us to hear that we don't take a proper opportunity to mourn a lot of cases. And so I want to encourage everyone that if you get to the point where you go, oh, my goodness, This thing has happened to me. Maybe I've buried it. Maybe I've tried not to think about it. Or maybe I have dealt with it, but not properly. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the license and the opportunity to mourn. And to really, you don't need to stay there, but you need to sit in it and feel it and let God comfort you. Because I feel like so often we don't give ourselves that. And for me, I felt like, well, if I sit in this, if I allow myself to think about it, then I don't know if I'm ever going to get up. Exactly. 
And I think there is that fear. But just recently I had an opportunity. I was talking to a friend of mine and I was, you know, sharing some things that had gone that I had gone through and that were super challenging that day. And she said, you know, hey, I'm here for you if you want to, if you want me to come over, if you want to come over here, and like we can kind of just hang out. And and I respond to her and I said, I really appreciate that offer. I said, but I need to I need to go through this, mm. not get over it. Right. And then I need I needed to give myself that opportunity to say, okay, you're gonna lock yourself in the bathroom, you're gonna run a hot bath, that's my favorite place, and you're just gonna just gonna sit in this and accept that something has that I have gone through that I didn't want to happen, that I'm not happy about that it happened, that it has circumstances that are far outweighing what I had ever anticipated but that I have to go through it and I can't just brush it off. I can't compartmentalize it. And some of us have to do that for a certain time because you, it it literally is too big. You just can't deal with it all at once. When I was able to say, okay, it's, there's been some time that has passed and it's time that I, that I dealt with it. It's time that I was able to process it and really mourn it. And then I, I don't know that I'm done with that process, but I feel so much better. Well, and that's, I think, part of the behold and, and the really being sure to look, the morning is a very crucial part of that. Because, again, you know, the, the scripture says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And once you really experience that comfort, I think that builds your faith a little bit too, to go, mm-hmm. okay, God didn't leave me here. I legitimately thought this was going to kill me. If anything was going to take me out, it was this instance. And God came in and he gave me a peace that I can't explain. And it still sucks. It's it's going to continue to not be fun. And one of the fantastic things about grief is that it's not a linear thing. It's not right. something that we just, oh, well, we did it for six weeks and now we're done and we're going to move on and move beyond that. But also, we don't want to venture down the road of dark depression either, where we're just sitting there and, and we kind of lose all hope. But... I think when we're mourning, if our prayer continues to be, please bring me comfort, please provide Mm -hmm. the peace, the understanding, just whatever it is that I need to survive this so that I can then come back ready to fight, you know, and and ready to stand and and tell the story of whatever this looks like. And ready to pull someone behind Mm -hmm. you. Yes. Yes. I've been through this. It was awful, but I've taken the time to mourn. And I think if you look at people who look at a, a dear friend of mine who has gone through the grief of losing a husband and very young and it was a very quick illness he was taken very very young she was even younger than he was at the time and she handled her grief in the healthiest way I've ever seen anyone she joined a grief group and so we would talk very frequently and she was able to get through it and as a result she's far stronger than what she was before. Now, I'm sure if you asked her, she would much prefer to never, ever have gone through that. But there is beauty that comes from those challenges. And so we need that accountability partner to be Mm -hmm. able to speak life and say things like, you're going to get through this. You're going to be strong again. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to, to say no to this event at this point. You know, it's okay to do these things, but then there needs to be a natural ending point to that. Mm -hmm. And I remember she said to me at that time, she made this very offhanded comment 
about about never remarrying. And I didn't say anything to her at the time because it was it would have been really inappropriate. But about six to eight months later, we had another conversation and I said, look, now that you are starting to come out of this a little bit, I want you to know that you, your, your life is not over. Mm-hmm. His life ended and that was part of God's plan. But your, your life is still going and you have so much to offer another person and to, you deserve to have a partner too mm. and so um, it, it took her some time to get through that but she's now happily remarried and she has another another daughter to love and she was able to walk through that and see see the beauty on the other side and I think that that's so so important and a lot of times this this morning and this having to take a step back comes at the end of a season of life whatever that looks like for us, either as people are, you know, losing a spouse, losing a child, or just in a relationship that's ended, or prodigal child, or whatever this looks like, those are the times where, because something ended, we feel like we're, we, we've ended. Mm-hmm. Our identity has been so defined by who this person was in our lives, or what role we played. In reality, God's going, no, you're so much more than that. You're so much more than just a wife. You're so much more than just a mother. You're so much more than this this one role and this one thing. And I know that this hurts because it was such a big part of you. And we're going to walk through that and we're going to process that. I cannot stress enough as we keep talking about how important that part in the, the process is. But to also acknowledge that there's there's more happening, you know, around you. It's kind of like when you're in the eye of the storm, you know, there, everything mm-hmm. is so focused on that chaos and it's hard to zoom out. That's the only thing I can ever think of is just zoom out, you know. I have very poor vision, so I'm constantly zoomed into things on my computer and you can see about a fourth of the actual screen size. And anytime my husband comes to do something, he's like, will you take that magnifier off? I cannot see what I'm doing. (laughs) So he'll have to zoom out so that he can see the whole thing. And it's much easier, again, when you're hurting or when things seem so just detrimental or impactful on your life, it's hard to want to even or to realize that you need to take that step back because you often go into that survival mode. So when we take the step back, it's important that we go into into the next word, which is look. Mm-hmm. So that one, I was like, okay, God, I got that. <laughs> look, that's easy. So of course, we don't we don't just look at ourselves. We don't want to do that, but to look at look at Christ. Okay, so He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that we look to, and when we go to the Gospels specifically, I think it's so important that we look at all the things that Jesus did because we can look at how he dealt with unbelievers Mm -hmm. and we can look at how he handled his earthly parents. Mm -hmm. We can look at how he handled friends who were going to betray him. We can look at how he handled things, earthly matters like taxes Mm -hmm. and the law and things like that. So it's important that we are constantly looking to the scriptures to, to get God's perspective on something. And the only way that we can do that is, is through regular Bible reading. And I know there are so many people who say, well, it's just really hard. We hear that a lot. And I get it. I get it. Because it was really hard for me too. One thing that really has changed for me, and I will absolutely say a million times I am not perfect. But one thing that has helped me is that I have prayed 
to God to give me a thirst and a hunger for his word and to, to continue that. And it is not a mistake. The days where I spend more time in his word and I have prayed that prayer are usually the same day. <laughs> usually when I say, God, please give me a thirst, give me a hunger to seek after you, to, to look to what you want to tell me, what you want to teach me, what you want to show me today. And then I, I spend more time in the Bible and I spend more time reading about what I could be and who he thinks I am. And I worry less about what the world thinks. I think one of the, the pieces to Bible reading that's been huge for me, I have four kids, three of them are very young still. So I have to be intentional about waking up early. And I know for some people that's like, ugh, you know, maybe evenings work better for you, but I'm a morning person. I'm ready to go at like 5 a.m. Let's do all the things. So I wake up early and I have a routine. And admittedly, if one of my kids follows me downstairs, this all goes out the window, (laughs) which happens every now and then. But I will go down and I will make my coffee and I will get some breakfast and I will sit on the couch and I usually have a good 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes to just sit and listen. Now, I listen to the Bible because I notice if I am actually reading, then I tend to, my mind wanders. I'm like, oh, okay, here's this. So for me, listening is better. And oftentimes I am sitting there and I will just be mindlessly either doodling or coloring or something because it's keeping my hands busy, but I'm able to hear more. And that's just the way that my brain works. I'm able to really kind of focus in because I'm doing a mindless task with my hands and I'm just sitting there and I'm able to listen. And oftentimes I'll be like, oh, that was really good. Like, let me go back and do this. But one of the things as I've been intentional about daily daily Bible reading is you start to see how live and active the Word of God is. Because there's so many times where I'm going, man, that's just like now. Like, this isn't... Jesus and who he was and how he handled all of these things and we can go okay we were just talking about mourning we see Jesus mourn Lazarus and Mm. we see him again dealing with people that are going to betray him and those are things that we we deal with in our daily life maybe not daily lives but we deal with in our lives today these aren't foreign concepts to us it's not like this God who existed so 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 long ago and it was completely unrelatable but it's this person and this this amazing example of how to walk through some of these day-to-day things and every time I read I'm like that's good I'm gonna hold on to that one because again we don't we don't know what's coming and so when we pray and we go okay well what is it that I need to do how can I be more intentional about reading it I remember when I first started it was like I'm gonna read a chapter a day that's all I'm gonna commit to that's fine 90% of the time that's all I still do is a chapter and I'll admit sometimes when you're going through the book of numbers or like Deuteronomy, I'm like Leviticus. For mm. me. It's Leviticus. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you know, what's what what is it? But I've also found that when I'm in those books and I'm going, God, what are you showing me here? He's faithful to answer. To go, mm-hmm. there, there's beauty in that. I I shared an entire Bible study out of Numbers one time, and I'm going, I know this sounds insane, and I know as I'm reading this to you, it just sounds like a bunch of words. But I promise there's beauty in it. There's something to be learned. There's something that you can glean from it. And when we're looking to Christ for those kind of answers and we're asking and seeking in prayer and going, show me how I can look more like you. We're supposed to be that reflection, right? So what is it that I need? And it ultimately comes back to that time in his word and the time in prayer. I don't think we can really make it any simpler than that. 
We say that it's simple, but, but it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. not. It's not. It's not simple, especially for women, because we do kind of take on more. My routine is is to get up. I set my alarm for 5 a.m. Oh, it's in some days it's harder than others, uh, but I set my alarm for 5 a.m. And then I set a second alarm for 525 because I am not new here. And I know myself. I know that some <laughs> days, some days five, I'm like, all right, let's get up. Let's get it. Let's get this show on the road. And some days I'm like, um, that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm going to need a little bit more. That's a no-go. So, <laughs> so uh, it might be 525 and I, and I get up and I have on my chair and my, uh, my journal and my phone and do not disturb is still on my phone until I'm finished with my quiet time. And I will read, I will journal. We need to really look to the Bible for our own edification, for our own information. And, and they, you'll often hear that the Bible is the only book that reads you. It has read me many, many times and convicted me of things that I needed to change. But making, making a commitment. And it doesn't matter. I, there are many people who say you need to get up early and you need to do it first thing. And I think it comes out of this idea that it frames your, your morning and mm-hmm. it changes your day. And I don't disagree with that. But I also think that it's important to give people a realistic right. idea. And so for some of us, it may be at the kitchen table after the kids have gotten on the bus and they're headed to school. Right. For some people, it might be a lunch hour at work. You know, for some of us, it might be after dinner. It could be after the kids have gone to bed. It could be the last thing you do before you close your eyes. But I have never met anyone who said, you know what? I committed to reading the Bible for 10 minutes a day for 30 days, and it didn't do anything for me. Right. I've never heard anyone say that. But there are going to be obstacles. There's going to be things that come up. There's going to be distractions. But I think it's important that you know yourself know the things that are going to come up mm-hmm. and 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 prepare for them. So for me, I never get to the point where I, all these things come to mind that I need to do until I'm getting ready to read the Bible. I only write on one side of my paper. And so on the other side, as I'm as I'm journaling, something will come to mind, "Oh, hey, you need to process that invoice. Oh, hey, you need to call this parent or oh, hey, you need to load the dishwasher, whatever it is." I will then take my pen, write it on the other side, and then go back to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because I think the enemy will use any excuse to distract you from what you're going to learn and how you're going to grow in that time. I think the biggest point, and it says it in Scripture too, is that it's it's our daily bread. It's you know, oh, that, yeah. that we need it daily. I don't think it matters so much when you do it. And my husband and I have gotten into the habit of it being mornings, but that was not always the case. You know, sometimes it would be right before you went to bed, but it's like you need this this life and you have to, in order to be sustained spiritually, you've got to have that daily filling. You can go, okay, well, we can probably live a day, two, three, four, five without it, but we're starving ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that you dive in and the more that you really begin to commit to that idea of studying daily, you really do feel starved when you don't have that that time for a few days or something has kind of stopped you. I've noticed if my kids do wake up and I don't take even just a couple minutes to go and read at minimum the daily verse, then I'm really agitated. I'm feeling rushed. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I just, my day did not start the way that, that it was really intended to. I didn't have that 
sustenance to really push me forward and to give me that boost that I needed. So I think the daily thing is really what's key there, whether it's midnight, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 8 a.m., doesn't really matter as long as it's a commitment that you're making. If we're not going to the Bible, if we're not going to Scripture to get fed, we are being fed. It's just we're not being fed by things that are going to give us life mm, and are going to point us in the right direction. Instead, we're, we're being fed by the world. And when we're being fed by the world, we hear things, we believe yeah. them, that things like your appearance is what defines you. And you're going to hear things like if, if you're not popular or if you don't have X amount of followers or if you are not an influencer in some realm, then you don't have value. Your career defines right. you. Just so, so what about the stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. who, who feels like, well, because I'm not contributing in this financial way or because I'm at home and I'm doing these things. I, I mean, I went through a period in my life where I felt that way. I remember talking to my husband about it, but he didn't really quite understand. And he, he's always worked. He's always been the provider. And so there have been times when I have worked and times where I've been home with my children. And the times when I was home with my children were some of the most challenging times because I had to look outside of that for my identity. Mm. And the enemy came for me hard and said things like, you're worthless and no one cares about you and you're doing a terrible job. All, all of these terrible things, which, which I knew intellectually were not true. But if I had not decided, okay, I need to go to, to my creator who knows me exactly as I am. And if I don't go to him for comfort, I be defined by the world. And that's a terrible and horrifying place to be. <laughs> It's a really poor barometer to, to measure yourself against. Exactly. And I think that that's so true for a lot of, like you said, women in general, but any just mom, you know, you will hear and see just every mom where it will seem like they're doing it better. It'll seem like they've got it figured out. You know, or this, this mindset of their kids just behave so much better or this or that. And it's like, like Stacy said, go back to the creator, go back to who made us, who put these pieces together to say this is the perfect creation that that I've made you out to be and I've built you for this you know you were intended for this purpose I didn't do this on accident this wasn't just a mistake and I gave you the wrong kid this was how I I wanted it to be and that really kind of shifted my mindset and how I responded to my kids and my role at home to go I don't feel like I'm doing as much as I should but I want to do everything that I can with the mindset of that I'm serving God. You know, yes, I'm serving my family. I am serving, you know, physically serving my husband and my kids dinner and I'm cleaning the dishes and I'm doing these things, but do it as though you're doing it unto the Lord. I get to do this and I get to do this mm-hmm. for God. That doesn't necessarily make it fun all the time. Me and my kids had a whole argument today over where the trash can is <laughs> and where their trash <laughs> is not in the trash can. So it doesn't make it always fun, but it changes your your perspective when you're going to handle certain things like that to go, I get to do this. I get to do this to honor God and honoring my children and honoring my husband and honoring the home that he's given us to really kind of set that example and set that stage for, you know, what, what that looks like, because I want to change the cycle that my kids see, because I want them to see themselves with a purpose, Mm -hmm. no matter what season of life that they're in. You know, maybe your purpose right now is to be a student and to be a child, but eventually your purpose might be parenthood. It might be 
your career. It may be, you know, ministry, whatever that looks like, but find purpose in each season and really hold on to that so that you can be serving others as you're serving God. That's super important. Before we move on to our last topic, I do want to give some just real practical kind of tips for for women who have, you know, are hearing this and listening and saying, okay, I need, I need to make this decision. Mm-hmm. I need to get started. And, and there are several different resources that you can use. There are reading plans. Read the Bible in a year is a very popular one. We encourage you to, to choose whatever works for you. So if you have a smartphone, you can download a Bible app for free. The one that I use is the version, Y-O-U version uh, Bible app, but there are many of them. I like the version app because you can very easily change the translation. There are many, many, many translations of the Bible. There's King James and New King James, which is kind of what you might have thought of when you think of the Bible. And it's the these and the thous. It's kind mm-hmm. of a Shakespearean English type thing. I don't think that's very helpful for someone who's not accustomed to reading in that way. We're not going to even delve into all of the arguments. And we're not going to even go down that road about the validity of, of translations. I'll just say this. If, it's, if it is a recognized translation of the Bible, it is made by people and committees who are way smarter than me. And who have spent the time learning all of that. And don't have to go to Google to learn how to pronounce a Greek word. So, I'll just say that. Um, Stacey and I will not be translating the Bible anytime I, I can, soon. I, nope, that, that's, not, that's not my jam. There, there are many different versions. Some of the easiest ones to read. NIV is very popular. That's usually the one I go to. NLT, the New Living Translation. Also very good. ESV, English Standard Version, is another really good one. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, have a favorite? I was going to suggest ESV. I know yeah. that's, a, that's a big one that seems to be very relatable for a lot of people. But yeah, like you said, I think as long as it's a, it's a recognized translation, you don't just get some, you know, a Joe down the street told me this is what the, the Word of God <laughs> says. This was his translation. <laughs> but um. it's important to read that, um, to actually read the Bible. And because there are people who will say, well, the Bible says blah, blah, blah. And, like, and if ah. it sounds suspect, then then my, my question is, I, I don't recall reading that. Where exactly is that in the Bible? And most of the time, I don't know, but it's in there. So it's important that you're actually reading scripture. And there's nothing wrong with reading the message translation either. The message mm-hmm. is not a word for word or line by line or verse by verse translation, but rather a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the message is good for someone who's just getting started and is like, ah, this, this is like reading Greek to me and I don't understand. Read the message. And then I, I would encourage you not to stop at the message, but kind of read. And the message is usually done by a set of verses at a time, like verses, you know, one through four or something right. like that. And then it'll just, it's in paragraph form. My husband describes it as, as a sermon. He says he will listen to the Bible. And he said, sometimes I'll turn on the message because if I'm just listening to the same NIV version or NLT version mm-hmm. that I've heard many, many times, I just kind of gloss it over and I start to wander. He said, but if I listen to the message, then it sounds like a sermon. And so I'm I locked have in. To try that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I just started recently kind of reading through the message and it hits different. It really does. I'm <laughs> like, like, Ooh, Oh, I kind of like this. You know, 
you don't want to just do that because you do want to actually have the scripture right. in front of you. So it's one of those things like when I teach Shakespeare, I give them the no fear version. Right. So they have a, a modern translation and the actual Shakespeare. And I'll say, if you don't do both, then something's going to go wrong because right. I'm testing miss. you. <laughs> I'm it. testing you on the actual Shakespearean language. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not testing you this on This is just the... helping you understand. Yes. <laughs> so it's one of those things. Um, well, and one thing I was going to say, too, when you're when you're first starting to read the Bible, I know a lot of people's initial, you know, when you read a book, you go to the very first page. And I think that while there's absolutely nothing wrong with starting in Genesis. Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> That gets a little daunting and a little overwhelming. And I think my, my grandfather has told people for years, start with the Gospels. You know, start with John. It's going to kind of set that stage. If you've never picked up the Bible and started with Scripture and read through a book, start with John. Start with John. Go from there and then work your way through the rest of it. I think the misconception is that you've got to read it from Genesis to Revelation. And the reality is, is that's not even chronological. That will mess with your head. It took me years to realize that two different books were telling the exact same story. And I was like, wait a minute, didn't they just talk about this before? <laughs> like, did it? I, I looked at my husband one time. I said, did it happen a second time? He's like, no, they're just telling the same story. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm in a time warp. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. So one of these days, I do want to go back and read the actual chronological version but also that makes my head kind of spin so definitely start with the gospels start with john in particular a lot of people that start with the new testament though will start in matthew and Mm -hmm. matthew is the goes through the whole genealogy of jesus but it does it for a reason if you don't necessarily know that reason if you don't know that matthew (laughs) is writing to the jews to prove that jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies then you're going to be like why do I care about all these people and, and, and how they've been having all these babies? Who is Jesse? <laughs> right. What do you mean, Obed? What kind of name is that? Right. Um, so you can you can easily get caught up in that. So I would encourage you, if you're just getting started, first of all, congratulations for getting started. You you will be blessed by this and don't be discouraged. But start, John, and just go through a chapter a day, like Anna said, or you can set a timer, you know, as as and and sit down and say, Okay, God. I'm going to read your word. Would you please be with me in this? Walk me through this journey as I start to read your word. And what will happen is that he will begin to make things clear for you. Because there is a a gap between God's perfect word and everything that he has written and what we're able to understand. And so when you pray, he'll he'll close that gap for you. But I think the key is just to to get started, Mm -hmm. to just do it. You know, you can say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it this. I, I promise I'm going <laughs> to. You brought to mind something the Holy Spirit told me to do today. <laughs> did you and do I, it? <laughs> no, I did not. Because uh, he said, hey, you need to do this. And I said, and it's something that involves me paying this fee to submit. <laughs> and so I said, um, I said, God, you know, I don't, I don't have that money right now to submit that. And he said, you need to do it so that when I give you the money, you'll be ready to go. Mm. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that tomorrow. And he was like, what's wrong with tonight? And I was like, man, yeah, why guess not right now? Tonight. Why so, not right now? Yeah, he often, uh, anyway, we, we talked about that last time. <laughs> How he speaks to Listen, me. Listen, I'm the inevitable. I'm going to start my <laughs> diet on Monday. <laughs> I don't know why Monday never shows up, but Monday turns to Tuesday. And then right. I got to wait another six days. <laughs> 
we we are not perfect. We are simply progressing. Right. So there's that. True. All right. The last one we're going to talk about is listen. And this, this is a big one. And honestly, this could probably turn into a whole episode, but, but we'll just, just kind of talk about it briefly. So listen means not that we listen to the people around us, not that there's anything wrong with that, not that we listen to ourselves, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that we listen for the Holy Spirit. So scripture is very clear that when we are saved, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And he is the one who gives us truth. In John 15, starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. And as I read that today, everything stopped. And I wrote that down. That the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so we have that Holy Spirit, that spirit of truth living inside of us. And he will never lie to us. And it is not a coincidence that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and Satan is the father of lies. Mm. That is not a coincidence. And so when we are living in this world and we are hearing all of these voices that are telling us things like, you're not good enough. No one likes you. This, this is too hard for you. You're never going to be successful. Why are you even trying that? That's not even, that's not even smart. No one believes in you. You're never going to be able to make that happen. We hear all of these voices all of the time. And that, that is the enemy that's trying to tear us down. But the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is that spirit of truth. And he is our defense against the lies of the enemy. But in order for us to take full advantage of that, we have to listen to him. We have to listen to what he says. And by listening, that means being still, getting quiet, and hearing what God has for us, what nugget of truth he has for us that day. Because like we said before, he's not going to overwhelm us. He's not going to give us all of this truth or all of this information that we have to immediately then put into practice but he will give us just what we're capable of in that moment and he's so faithful to answer and to do that I was thinking at the beginning of this episode when Stacy was talking about the three words the behold look listen on our way to our women's group where we were first presenting this idea I was at work with Stacy that day and she was like, okay, I have these three words and I really don't know what we're going to do with them, but I have them. And okay, so that was what, 1130, 12 o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. Um, and even as we were pulling in the driveway, she's like, I still don't know what we're talking about with behold, <laughs> like, we're just going to go with it here. And it ended up a lot of prayer, obviously, but it ended up being displayed or presented in a very clear and concise way in a way that really resonated with these women. And it's like this mindset of almost relinquishing that control to say, okay, God, I'm just going to trust that you're really going to speak through me in this because I don't, I don't know <laughs> what we're doing here. I know what you gave me. And so when she got ready to start talking that night, I'm like, Ooh, what are we about to talk about? Like, <laughs> We're all going to be surprised. Everybody's going to be shocked when <laughs> Stacy starts talking, even Stacy. Like we don't know where this is going. Because she had, she told me that she goes, I got the look, I got the listen, like that makes sense, but behold, it's, you know, it's going way over my head here. And so it was just, it's 
really awesome to see how God will always come through. He's not going to leave you hanging, just kind of looking dumb when you're going, Lord, I really need to hear your voice right now. I really need you to guide me in this moment because I don't know what to say. And I pray that every time as we're preparing for these podcasts to go, Lord, I don't really know what I'm going to say. You know, I don't spend hours going, let me think about every response to every question, to everything. And overly scripted, I just have to trust that if I go, Lord, you you be my mouth. You mm-hmm. control what comes out. And we pray before each episode that if it's not of God, that not be said. Because we want to speak that truth. We don't want to aid the enemy in any kind of lies mm-hmm. or deception or discouragement. But instead, we want to be able to speak truth. And I follow another podcast called She Reads Truth. And that's one of those things. And it's like that concept of there's validity to it. And there's something that you can really stand on. And God is never going to speak to you audibly with a nudge through another person or a worship song, something that contradicts what his word says. It's never going to be the case. It's never going to be this. John clearly says this, but God's telling me the exact opposite. That's, That's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit kind of thing. It reminds me of teaching teaching my son, Will, to read. Our story is, is that dyslexia runs in our family. And so all of my biological children are dyslexic. And teaching them to read was a very humbling experience for me. Because I'm like, I'm a trained teacher. I love to read. I've always read. I would read myself to sleep as a very young person. So the idea of not being able to teach my son to read was, was very hard for me to swallow. However, once we were able to figure out what was going on and how to fix it and how to teach him, it just required some adjustments for me. And once I was able to do that, I was able to begin to teach him to read. But the problem that he would have is because if I gave him a whole sheet, a whole story, whatever, and he were to see that on paper, it was super overwhelming for him. Mm. He, he could not process that. The idea that he would have to read that whole page because he had experienced failure and frustration and tears because of me not teaching him the right way, not because of him. But because he had gone through that, this was super overwhelming. And so what I would do is I would get uh, like a piece of cardstock or construction paper or whatever, and I would cover the bottom part. And so he could only see the sentence that he was reading, really just the line, the mm-hmm. line that he was reading and anything that he had already read. So he would read that one line and then we would move it down and he would read that one line and move it down. And then by the time we got to the very end, he would say, wow, mom, I read all of that. And I said, yeah, you did. Look at, look at that. That's so amazing. You're so great at this. But if he saw the whole thing, it was way too overwhelming. And so often God is like that with us. He will only show us the part that we need at that moment. Because if he were to give us the whole picture, we would be totally overwhelmed. We would feel totally incompetent and inept and not able to do what he's called us to do. But instead, he just gives us these little portions. But he gives us those in in a couple of different ways. So one of them that we mentioned briefly was was an audible voice. So sometimes this is literally something that you hear a lot of times it's it's not. It's more like words or language that appear in your mind. I don't know how else to describe it other than it's like they're words, but they're words that I know. Not that I've necessarily heard or maybe I'm hearing them in my own voice. So I don't really distinguish the difference. My husband always jokes that the Holy Spirit has my voice in his head. <laughs> 
So I don't, I don't know what to take from that, but it's just, just this, this knowing that you have in your mind. And so when I will speak to God, there's a lot of times where he will respond in that way. And it's just like a, just words that I know. Another way that he'll speak is in visions and dreams. Mm-hmm. And, and I shared this with Anna that I, I'm not one of those visual people. I don't usually get visions. I've gotten a handful of visions in my lifetime. One was a dream. I was at a very pivotal point in my life and it has been sustaining. And the reason why I know it's a vision and not a dream is because I, I have forgotten basically every other dream mm. that I've ever had. But, but I've remembered this dream for six years. I've remembered this and I can still see it quite clearly. And so that's how I know like this, this was a vision. It was not just, you know, I woke up and, and my hair looked weird and, you know, something silly like that. So he gave me one dream and then there was another vision that I had just in January and it was something that I had been fasting and praying for. And I said, you know, God, I'm praying for a vision. I'm praying for this direction for where you want me to go. When I woke up that morning, very early, like hadn't even gotten out of bed. That's when I find I'm very susceptible and open to the Holy Spirit's leaning. And so he can get my attention easier because there's not all this kind of outside noise going on sometimes literally outside noise. And he gave me this vision and I was like, oh my goodness. And I got up my computer and I started to kind of, and then after the flash of the vision, everything else was, was just words, verbal kind of in in my mind. And so I kind of typed it all out so that I would have that and I wouldn't lose it. But that was something I was actively praying for. And then most recently I had been actively praying for another vision, not because I needed any particular answer or something like that, but because I have been studying about the different ways that God speaks. And I was reading that he speaks to us in all these different ways because it's all innate. It's inborn. So you don't have to pray, God, please let me have the ability to hear you. Mm-hmm. It's already there. It's in your DNA. And so I was thinking, you know, God, I, I usually only hear from you in this way. I, I kind of like to have a little bit of a different perspective. And so I had been praying so two nights in a row, I went to bed and I was like, God, I'm just really praying that you're going to give me a dream or a vision and, and, and two nights in a row. And I woke up and nothing. And I was feeling a little bit disappointed, like, huh, well, that's kind of disappointing, but you know, I could just keep praying for it or whatever. And then in the morning I walked into my closet and I had, had a vision and it was not at all related to what I thought it was going to be about. <laughs> And as I shared with Anna, that vision turned into an assignment, something that, uh, that he's called me to do. But that's, that's another way that God will speak to you in visions. And as I mentioned, my friend, she, she will have visions. Everybody's a little bit different in how, how they do that. And another way that the Holy Spirit will speak to you is just in this kind of nudging. Uh, you called it, uh, what did you call like it? Like a pressing yes, of the Spirit. Yes, a pressing, yep. a pressing of the Holy Spirit. So you just have this feeling like... I need to call this person or I need to send them a text message or I need to approach this person near me. I need to be generous to this specific cause, whatever it is. It's just that pressing, that kind of emotional response that we're then called to be obedient to. I've noticed a lot of times for me, especially when it comes to people that perhaps I need to reach out to is that I will be going throughout my day and all of a sudden I will get very somber. I will feel very sad. I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't know what this is for. And somebody will be on my heart. And I'm going, okay, well, I have no idea what they're walking through. 
it, it's almost like my entire mood and my, my demeanor changes because I'm feeling that burden, that, that call to action, you know, that needs to happen and go, okay, well, I need to reach out. I need to just you know, say, hey, how's it going? And sometimes it's that simple and that opens this door for conversation. But one thing I've also learned a lot with the Holy Spirit is he speaks in words that we understand. You know, you'll, you'll hear these things. It's not like, or at least not in my experience, I'm sure it's happened to some, it's not this crazy foreign concept, but it's also not something I would naturally think myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something where I'm going, well, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, what is that? But it always aligns with his word. And it's one of those things where there was several years ago when I was in college, it was, I had gone to a women's Bible study and I was looking at my Bible cover. This is back when I carried like my big thick Bible and all my notes and everything else. I had this really cool Bible cover that had all the names of Jesus on it, Messiah, Jehovah, all these things. And one of them almost looked like it was just illuminating. And I'm like, why? Like, what, why do I keep going back to this, this word? Like, what is so important about that? And it was like 3 a.m. And he was like, you need to call this person. And you just need to say exactly, I don't really understand why I'm sharing this with you, but this is what you need to hear. And the freedom that came that night for this this woman was amazing. But it's almost like God will illuminate for me something that doesn't really make sense to me in the natural, where I'm going, okay, again, that's kind of in left field. Why do you want me to call them? I haven't talked to them in a really long time. Like, or... Why do you want me to go there? That's not my normal route. What is it that you're you're trying to align me up for? And I think the more that we say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to be your hands and feet. I'm willing to be your voice. I'm willing to be that vessel. The more he's going to kind of put those, you know, plans into action. And go, okay, well, you're willing to go and do. So I'm going to give you more assignments to go and do kind of mm-hmm. deal. And it becomes the more you, the more you listen, the more you learn that voice. And the less... The less I go, is that you? Are you sure? Because <laughs> there's a lot of times where I'd be like, are you sure? Because I could not. And then the next day it would still be there. And I'm like, okay, I really need to do what it is he's telling me to do. Or much like Stacy said, oh, I forgot about it. He told me this morning. He ain't forgetting no more. It's back now. <laughs> um, God, God doesn't forget. <laughs> he's not going to let you forget. The Holy Spirit's going to do those little gentle reminders. And sometimes if we don't listen to the gentle reminders, they become much more firm reminders that we were called to action. Mm-hmm. And if we're truly wanting to walk in that and live in that, then, you know, those opportunities are going to present themselves. And he will, he will remind us. And I think that's one of those things when I was first learning to discern the Holy Spirit, I would often say, well, God, this just really God, like this just doesn't, just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Like <laughs> I just don't, don't really quite understand this. And, and, and often I have had people in my life and say, um, Stacy, are you, are you okay? Like this, this thing that you said you're going to do, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why you're doing that. And the thing that would always get me was that I could not get peace. I could not get peace until I obeyed with whatever it was. But then every single time, as soon as I obeyed, the peace was instant. It was just like, okay, all right, I did it. Okay, maybe not with the best attitude, but yeah, I <laughs> but did I it. moved. <laughs> I did move. But but you're right. The more the more that you obey, the more that He will speak, and the more you will be able to understand. Oh, 
That's what that is. And I think for most of us, and we said this last time, for most of us, it's like you have that realization, like you've been speaking to me this whole time. I just didn't, I just didn't understand. Like it makes me think of, of those videos you see where the babies get glasses mm, or yeah. they get a hearing aid for the first time. For the yeah. first time and they, they just have this joy of like, I can finally see now or I can mm. finally hear now. That's kind of how we are. We're like, oh my goodness, I can finally understand what it is that, that you've been Everything speaking to me. finally comes in. Yeah. And it comes with that drawing near. You know, you draw near to the Father and He's going to draw near to you. And it's just this beautiful thing. And I, as Stacy was talking, all I could imagine where she's going, you know, you're kind of, he's, he's still going to be there and he's going to remind you. I just kind of pictured myself standing in the kitchen and like standing on top of a Lego. Like it's not going to be comfortable. I could continue to work. I could continue to do all of these things, but there's still going to be something that I go, this isn't right. This doesn't um, feel good. This doesn't feel very good. But until I decide to make that just move, I'm going to continue to have a sore foot or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Because part of one of the things when we become Christians and we say, okay, we're going to follow Christ. It's, this mindset of my life is going to be great. I'm going to get everything I want. And it's, you know, just wonderful and perfect. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that sometimes it's going to feel a little uncomfortable. Sometimes when somebody comes and says, hey, we're going to do a podcast. And you're like, uh, are we though? Um, kind of thing. And and you really have to kind of pray and go, Lord, if this is you, I need you to show me. And when Stacy did approach me about the podcast, I told her, I was like, I've been there. I've done that. Like, I don't know. And so I prayed about it. And it was one of those things that God would not take it off of my mind. It would not leave no matter what else I was doing. He's like, so that podcast. And I'm like, oh, well, I was really kind of thinking we could do something else. Well, that podcast. (laughs) And I'm going, okay. And, And the beauty in it is, is that God will confirm, will confirm what he's speaking to you through other people and through Godly counsel. Yes, wisdom, godly wisdom and counsel. And through his word, it's not like, you know, you can, you can almost test that out and go, okay, well, is this, is this something that's really of God? And if you have that trusted godly counsel, you can go, I'm hearing this. I don't know if this is true. Like, does this make sense? Does this go against what he says? Is, is this a possibility? Like Stacy's got some big visions right now, y'all. And I know that wouldn't make sense to a lot of the people listening, but some of this I'm going, Oh Lord, you must have given her that vision because that's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a hundred percent not me. But, I can confirm that. But mm. everything that she's seeing or everything that she's feeling is is blessings upon blessings, and I know that that's what God gives us, and He gives the faithful. And so I'm going. Well, I mean, none of that's really. I mean, why wouldn't he? Right? I'm like, why wouldn't he? And so it's like this confirmation of just knowing that you've got people around you that if you go, so God told me that. Even though I'm only working at McDonald's about six hours a week, if I go buy that Ferrari, that he's going to make the payments. You got somebody going, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's not what he said. But instead, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm only working a couple hours a week, but I'm really feeling pressed to tithe. That's going to line up with the word. And, and you're going to have somebody be able to come alongside you and go, okay, that, that's the Holy Spirit. The Ferrari, right. maybe not. But the tithing, that, that's biblical and that's going to match up with what he's teaching and what has remained true. Mm-hmm. from the beginning of time mm-hmm. and and one one of the things that I um and I shared this with Anna earlier so the vision that I had um was I, I at first I was of course incredibly grateful and was and and I was in the middle of praising God when I had the vision which I'm sure is not 
a mm-hmm. coincidence. Uh, but I was praising God about some things and how they have just come together in a way that I did not expect. And that's when he gave me that vision. And I was just like, oh man, this is going to be so amazing. God is going <laughs> to supernaturally do this thing. And then, and he, he, he let me be in that for about a day. And then he very quietly came in and said, that was not something I'm going to do. This is an assignment for you. And my immediate reaction was, nope, <laughs> that's not fair. I am tired of these assignments because they are always stretching me in ways that are uncomfortable. And what if I don't want to do that? And the Holy Spirit being incredibly gentle because he knew at the root of my complaining uh, was not a desire to be disobedience, but a fear of failure. Right. And so because he is a good father, he came in and said, if you have something important that you need done, you're not going to give it to your youngest son who needs help. You're going to give it to your oldest son who you know you can trust. And he said that to me and it just cut me to the quick Mm -hmm. on one hand. And it sounds like I'm bragging and I really don't mean to, I don't feel that I am like worthy of God's trust because I really don't. I mess up far more than I get it right. But I felt him acknowledging the fact that I've been obedient before. And because I've been obedient in the past that now he can trust me to kind of carry out this next thing that, that he's wanting me to Mm -hmm. do even though I might be kind of kicking and screaming a little bit in the beginning, because that's how I work. And he's like, yep, this is how you do. It's fine. That's step one. (laughs) You'll eventually get with the program. But all of that comes from listening and understanding when God is speaking to me. Because again, you're going to hear stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to be fed in some way or another. It's choosing, okay, where are your, where are your filters? What am I allowing into my spirit? What am I, what about the people that I'm surrounding myself with? Are are you surrounding yourself with people who, who have a godly influence on you? What about the TV that you're watching, the movies that you're consuming, the social media that fills your day? I mean, there's all these things that are coming at us. And if we don't make an effort to kind of put some filters on some of that, then the things that you're going to hear are going to be competing very loudly with the Holy Spirit. And he won't yell and scream and shout at you. He is a gentleman. Still small voice. It's that still small voice. Mm-hmm. And it's that voice that you hear when you're quiet. And that's where we look in Ephesians and it talks about putting on that full armor of God. You know, that's that's a prayer that I pray very often. And I, I think about when Stacy's talking about surrounding yourself and how... So for those that don't know, my husband teaches at the school that Stacy runs and I, you know, worked from home and I would have my kids and there was a while here where I was here for every day for one reason or another, whether it's to volunteer or to sub or whatever. And I remember going to Stacy when I didn't have a reason to be here anymore. And I'm like, but I really like being there. Like there's, there's life in this building because when I'm home and it's me and my four-year-old and a really stressful job and all of these things, it's hard to keep my perspective. But when I'm around this community of believers and I'm around people that are speaking life, there's such a, it's almost like you can breathe a little bit. And I know that that's not everybody's story. Not everybody works in this 
you know, Christian-based environment, but it's also making a choice to say, who am I, like I said, who am I going to listen to today? Am I going to go to lunch with this coworker that's constantly nagging and complaining and, you know, writing the boss or doing whatever? Or am I going to choose to perhaps just sit quietly today in my car and listen to the Bible or listen to worship music? And it's being very intentional about, again, who speaks life into you? Where are you hearing hearing your truth from? The world's going to tell you everything is wrong and you're never going to measure up and you're not going to be able to accomplish anything that you're setting out to accomplish. When we get these these visions or these ideas, my initial reaction is to go, okay, God, that's really cool. Can we do that now? And then when it doesn't happen immediately, I'm like, well, that must not have been you. That mm. must have been something else because uh, I clearly misunderstood. And one of the things I've learned a lot lately is that sometimes God's just giving us kind of a little glimpse of what's to come. To say, look, I know you're kind of going through it right now, but I promise this this is here and it's for you and I need you to continue to fight for that because I am faithful and I'm going to continue to honor what I told you I was going to honor. I just need you to continue to take those steps and to put on the full armor to make sure that you are guarding your heart and you're guarding your mind and you're guarding everything about you and that you're standing alongside these other believers who are also shielded up and ready to fight on your behalf. And again, that just comes to who's, who is speaking into you outside of God, who else is speaking into you? Where are you hearing your truth from? Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to lead us into our next episode. So in episode three, we're going to talk about the root cause. So we're going to go back to the idea of the broken bus and we're going to be talking about how we can avoid getting caught in this cycle of going back to all of our trauma and kind of getting caught in this sabotage cycle. I'm going to be bringing that information a little bit more for next week. So until then, we encourage you to take your next faith step, whether it's committing a certain time of the day in prayer and Bible study, or it's getting an accountability partner, we encourage you to take your next step. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or need prayer, you can email us at faithstepspodcast at gmail.com.